It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. Our warming trend continues for today. I'm meteorologist Christian Johansson. After a cold start, we'll see temperatures warm nicely into the afternoon with plenty of sunshine, highs in the mid-50s. For tonight, mostly clear, still a little cold with our temperatures in the upper 20s. For Thursday, we'll once again see plenty of sunshine, highs in the mid to upper 50s. We continue to see temperatures warm into Friday. Currently 21 in Danville, 23 in Lynchburg, 24 in Bedford, 23 in Roanoke and Salem, 25 in Appomattox, 23 in Amherst. And yes, those are cold temperatures, but they certainly aren't as cold as some parts of the country are seeing. We have uh, correspondent Jim Crisula in uh, Greensboro. He is reaching out to us this morning. And Jim, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi, Janet. Good morning. So it's cold here, and we've certainly had some power outages and things, but boy, that's nothing compared to what some parts of the country are seeing, is it? Yeah, that's right. I guess we start up in Buffalo with the snow, the tremendous amount of snow. I I saw a note yesterday, Janet, a year ago at this point, Buffalo has had nine inches of snow for the season. They've already had 105 inches of snow this year. So it's uh, it's going to be a snowy winter, looks like, in Buffalo. But again, they're digging out still. Uh, of course, a very heavy loss of life, uh, sadly, obviously, uh, in the Buffalo area from, from the snow, mm-hmm. uh, predominantly a lake effect snow. Uh, and then uh, cold in, in a lot of the country, although it's going to warm up this weekend significantly, certainly on the eastern, in the eastern half of the country. Uh, if... Which will any create of its own problems. Heading, yeah, yes. And if any of your listeners, Janet, are heading west, a tremendous amount of rain uh, falling this week in northern California and then up into Oregon and Washington State. So here in the south, I think one of the biggest problems we're seeing, as we often do when it gets so-called uh, broken and frozen water lines and pipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, A lot of cities, Janet, uh, with boil water notices, because uh, their water supply has so been so greatly reduced because of so many broken water lines. Right. Um, I know it, in one report I saw where Memphis. Um, I mean, they've had to they've had to cut off water to yes. not just homes, but even to some hospitals as well. That's right. And yeah, and, and they have brought in tanker trucks mm. with water, obviously to. Uh, facilitate those hospitals at least provide those hospitals with with water so again yeah a lot of lot of issues across the south jackson mississippi i was uh, i've been there several times this year among other things reporting on the water woes there the the long troubled water system much of it is out again because of broken water mains people are again under a boil water notice in jackson as you could imagine, they're just absolutely fed up and frustrated with this. Back in August, I was down there in, in Jackson, Janet, and uh, for a week or so, they were without water. So they're certainly mm-hmm. used to it in Jackson, but but again, just a lot of anger and frustration there. Yeah, it doesn't make it any easier. And we've had some situations here locally where people have had to be hospitalized because they were bringing things like gas grills inside their home to try to stay warm, and then the carbon monoxide creates issues so there's a lot of things that can go wrong when when the weather turns on you like this yeah and you're talking specifically about the roanoke area right seven people sent to the hospital uh, doing that so uh, again yeah yeah the, uh, really you know so much of the country not not used to this kind of extreme weather 
and uh, falling iguanas. Did you see that story, <laughs> Janet? Down in South Florida. And I feel bad <laughs> laughing, <clears throat> yeah, but, that, but it that is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, they, they're fine. Actually, that, that's their method of hibernating. <laughs> And, you know, once it warms up, they wake up and, and they're happy again and, and doing their thing. But, um, you know, that happens every every so often. But Sometimes yeah. I wish I could do that. It's just like, oh, yes. I'll, wait. I'll see you when nice. I'm warmer. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. pretty great. So not only is it causing problems uh, around the country as far as, you know, water and, and people being stranded, but many people are being stranded due to the due to the cancellations with flights i mean what a this this is a whole new planes trains and automobiles movie it's Boy, just it really mess. is and in, in the in a horror movie at that right uh, you know if you're involved and caught up in this i don't know how many people have, have had the horrible experience as i have in the past of sleeping if you want to use that word <laughs> at yes. a at a airport uh, again because uh, and then we're seeing pictures of just thousands and thousands of pieces of luggage uh, sitting oh, around these airports as well, and and it looks to be like the worst of this situation involves Southwest Airlines. Mm-hmm. In fact, again today they've already canceled about sixty five percent of their uh, their flights today as as they deal with this issue that or issues that they're dealing with. Now they're saying that uh, a lot. Do you think most of this is is the weather, or do you think there's more to this story than just weather? Well, that's I, an I awful think lot several of things. Yeah, Jen, I think several things. Certainly, the weather started this. Um, the airline is is saying this is a scheduling issue. We have so many flight crews out of place, but then the pilots' union at Southwest says, "Hey, it's not that at all. It's the airline, and it's their antiquated, broken down computer system oh, causing these these problems." So, and I suspect it's going to take quite a while a number of days for southwest to get back up and running you know with their full flight schedule and, and get all of this sorted out and people having to, to get where they they want to go or or you know get back home whatever one of the issues i'm seeing too janet is that because there are so many people stranded and who've had these canceled flights it's very difficult in a lot of these places to find a rental car because people oh, so sure. many people said the heck with it i'm getting a rental car and driving right or, you know trying to get from point a to point b yeah I, and and i'm one of those people is if i can just keep moving i'm okay sure. so now sure. let's just get in let's just get in the car we know we're getting you know somewhere um, yes. But yeah, I'm sure it's a mess all the way around. Uh, Jim Crisola, thanks so much for joining us this morning on the yeah, Morning Jam. Talk to you. It is, it is. Thank yeah. you so much. Happy New Year to you and yeah, to you. We don't talk again. Yeah, yes. thanks. Uh, he's always so insightful with uh, with his information. So we like to have uh, Jim on whenever we can. Um, I don't know. I know. I will. And I will say, Mark Lamb, um, and. <laughs> Who? Uh, there you go. I was waiting for that. Uh, he is on a cruise, yeah, a, a Christmas cruise. Darn him! Uh, but uh, but even that, uh, some of the things got um, canceled, rained out. Yeah, because they had so much rain and that type thing. Um, it just makes you wonder: Are they going to be able to get home okay with all these flights? And there's just such a mess there. Uh, but would you rather be in the Caribbean right now? 
I'd be okay with. Actually, I'd, I'd rather feel well if I'm in the Caribbean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or That's I, I a good not, point. I would not want to feel like this and be on a cruise. That is a good point. Uh, and also, people would be avoiding me like the plague. So nobody, nobody wants that. I don't think. I can't. I, well, look, I'm trying to keep my distance don't from worry. you, We're, my friend. We're doing trying. my best. No, it's okay. Did you see the story about the daughter of the uh, uh, MLB Hall of Famer? That has uh, allegedly abandoned a newborn child in the woods. Have you seen that I story? I think I heard about this. Um, uh, Dennis Eckersley? Did Eckert. I say that right? I think so, yes. Yes. So, um, he's uh, the Hall of Famer that we're talking about. His adopted daughter, Alexandria Eckersley, is 26 years old was arrested Monday and charged with felony reckless conduct, second-degree assault, extreme indifference, endangering the welfare of a child, and falsifying physical evidence after giving birth to her son in the woods on Christmas and abandoning him there. The Manchester Police Department in New Hampshire, now you know it's got to be cold in New Hampshire, come on. They say that she intentionally misled authorities as to the whereabouts of the child. Uh, Manchester Police, Fire, and American Medical Response personnel searched the area where the mother of the baby directed them, but were unable to locate the child, because apparently it wasn't there. After nearly an hour, the mother revealed the true location and uh, led officers to the area. Their officers located the baby, who was treated by EMTs, and transported to a local hospital for treatment. So apparently, that child didn't die. That's good. That that's great, but it's it's a miracle. Yes. That that newborn baby. That I mean, because they're wet. And she's twenty six. Born. I mean, right. Like it's not like she's like you know fifteen 16 or yeah, yeah, no, yeah. right. Police responded to the call about the homeless Eckersley. Around 12.40 a.m. on December 26th near the West Side Arena area. Uh, the child was reportedly found off a footpath in a tent and was described as moving, not crying, and exposed. I wonder this... The temperature was 18 degrees. I was going to say, I wonder the relationship between him and this daughter, because it's... This guy well, well, just it, retired from the, you know, broadcast booth, the Nesson booth, which is the TV for the Red Sox. Right. It's it's not like they didn't have money, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Well, I don't know. Uh, Manchester police said they had, had they not collectively located the little boy, um, he would have died in the tent. Of course he would have. I mean... An 18-degree temperature, not even wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way he would have survived. According to an affidavit, um, she said she had no idea she was pregnant. And um, when asked why she left the baby, she replied, What do they tell you when the plane goes down? Save yourself first. Wow. Wow. They think she was under the influence of drugs. That would make sense. Uh, Dennis Eckersley, 68, was inducted into Cooperstown in 2004. 
So, I don't know. Well, I mean, you can't, you can't blame the parents for the actions of a child, certainly. But no. um, I don't know. It seemed like they must have been estranged. I'm sure he wouldn't have her living yeah. in a tent. Yeah. If it, just, it seems like a very weird relationship. Definitely. For sure. Well, the good news is the baby survived. And that's a Christmas miracle. No doubt about it. So uh, we'll be back here on the Morning Jam. Our uh, number 866-916-3776. Our text number 434-248-0704. Thanks for joining us. The Morning Jam. He was working through college. We are the Morning Jam. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces passing, I'm homebound. Good morning. Hope you're having a great Wednesday so far. I hope you're bundled up and staying warm and you have power. I had so many friends who were without power over uh, the Christmas weekend and some even into today. But uh, hopefully you were able to stay warm and, you know. Uh, Some people won't leave their house, though. They're determined they're going to hang in there and and stick it out. They don't want to. My father. I'll Granted, confess, I'm a little bit like that myself. I was going to say, my dad will have somehow have a figure of a generator running. He'll just you know. no, we and we do have a generator. I mean, we've got we have a lot of, of backup things, but you know, any nobody's going to want to take me in. I've got four dogs. <laughs> you know, well, I don't know. I guess my littles would count as maybe one, but they probably take um, everyone but Rogan. Rogan, I'm just kidding. Poor Rogan. Rogan's. His birthday's coming. He was yeah. born on uh, New Year's Eve. So, there you He'll go. He'll be what, two? He'll be one. One. Yes. yes. Okay. He's not even, yeah, he's not even I was like, I'm trying yet. to, I was trying to put the time together of like me holding him as a puppy. Yeah, he was like only five weeks old. Yeah, when you got the, him. Yeah, he was a, a little tiny fellow. Like I said, longest yet shortest year of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, that's right. Well, here's a feel good story. Um, the United Airlines pilot, a United Airlines pilot adopted a puppy after it was abandoned at a California airport following its trip from China. The owner of the six-month-old German Shepherd did not have the proper documents and opted to leave the dog behind while he continued his trip to New York. The airline said in a statement that the CDC was concerned about the validity of the owner's documents, the agency would not allow the dog to enter the country, citing strict rules about animals arriving from high-risk countries for rabies. The dog would either be euthanized upon returning to China or be put down locally, according to the airline representative. The United Airlines called on the CDC to reconsider the decision, the agency granted the pooch a reprieve, but required it required it to be quarantined for four months. The dog, who the airline named Polaris after its business class, remained at the airport where it slept in an office and was fed treats. He was later flown 
first class to the Los Angeles quarantine station. Nice. United asked the San Francisco SBCA shelter to find a home for the dog, but requested that the animal be placed with an employee of the airline. We really wanted him to go to someone in our United family because of how much the team rallied around him. The SBCA received 35 applications before ultimately matching the dog with Captain William Dale, a seven-year pilot who recently moved with his family to San Francisco. Uh, The airline held an adoption party for Polaris and donated $5,000 to the SBCA. And then and they put a Santa outfit on him and presented him to his family. So, see, I like a feel-good story. It makes me happy. And that's, that's a good one. We don't always get those. So it's always good when you can get a, a feel-good story there. Uh, here's one. Virginia is offering first-day hikes at all 41 state parks to kick off the new year. If you're uh, looking to get started off on the right foot, sometime in in the great outdoors with a a first-day hike might be right up your alley. The Virginia Department of Conservation and Recreation will be offering free parking for all 41 state parks throughout the Commonwealth on Sunday, January 1st. And you will also receive a commemorative sticker while supplies last. First-day hikes is an initiative of the American State Parks offering ranger-led hikes in state parks across the country. One exception to the free admission will be Natural Bridge State Park, which will have a per-person admission fee for access to the bridge. Uh, Southwest Virginia Museum will also be closed January 1st, though a hike is still planned. So if you want a, a full list of first-day hiking opportunities, you can visit the DCR website and you can, uh, you can start your year off with a hike. Might be a little chilly for that, but you do you, if that's what you're into. Uh, Trump is now saying that he told Ivanka and Jared not to join his 2024 campaign. Because people are, are too mean and nasty. Because, you know, they were noticeably absent when he made his announcements. Um. I think he's saving face. I think he is, too. Uh, Donald said he never asked Ivanka and Jared to join his 2024 campaign. Uh, He said he told them not to be a part of it because people would be too mean and nasty. Recent reports have suggested that the pair are distancing themselves from Trump politics. But now Trump is saying that he, he told them not to do that. And he says, contrary to fake news reporting. I'm sorry, let me get into my. Contrary to fake news reporting, I never asked Jared or Ivanka to be part of my campaign. So there you go. Now you know. Oh, One of hello. your favorite people are on the line. It's Dale. I, I recognize no, his dog. It's not Dale. It's Ruth Ann. There you go. Oh. <laughs> Hi, Ruth Ann. I, I do sound like Trump this morning. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm afraid I, I sound a little, a little Trumpish myself. How are you feeling? I'm feeling better. I just, uh, for Christmas, I got, I thought it was a cold. I thought it was allergies. I think I had a little bit of everything, but I didn't have that bad thing. There you go. But I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm so glad. Yeah. And a friend of mine said, homemade potato 
Let me tell you, it was delicious. Oh, good. Well, did you have a Christmas? We had a had a good Christmas. Certainly missed you, but I did get your message, so I didn't worry as much. And then, of course, uh, I, and then I got sick. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. There's always I didn't, something. I didn't, that's for sure. I didn't want anybody to feel like I feel, but I feel better. Sound a little different, but I feel better. And I hope that all the folks out there that are in this family radio had a wonderful Christmas and I hope you have a beautiful new year. Well, I I hope I'll I will see you very soon in this new year. That's the well, maybe <laughs> spring, I don't know, but I'm gonna work on it. Okay. That's right. Love all of you out there. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> all right, my darling girl. I, have a great day. I, okay, thank you. <laughs> and kisses to Peaches and Pookie and Pooh Bear. <laughs> oh, Lordy. That's so great. Bless her heart. It is not, it is not fun to just try to, try to drag through, but but that's what we do as we, we drag through. Um, speaking of mean and nasty people, um, oh, maybe that wasn't the best segue to talk about Harry and Megan, but people are hating on them on social media. I don't. I think the worst mistake they ever made was that to do Netflix that. special. It was yeah. the that was the worst idea ever. I don't know whose idea that was, but n- not a good idea. Um, the Netflix mansion that they used is on the market in Montecito for thirty three million. So that's where all their interviews were filmed. There. So it's up for sale. It could be yours for $33.5 million. I'll start looking for that money now. That's a that's a big, big house. Big mansion. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Have you watched any of that at all? No. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> no way. Not interested. But that's okay. Nice Payne's going to be coming up here in just a little bit. She'll get us... Uh, the latest looks at your local headlines. Also, we're going to be uh, talking with military analyst Jeff McCausland about Russia and the Ukraine. Are we getting any closer to reaching a solution with this? He'll tell us coming up. It's time for your Morning Jam weather, brought to you by WDBJ7. Our warming trend continues for today. I'm meteorologist Christian Johansson. After a cold start, we'll see temperatures warm nicely into the afternoon with plenty of sunshine, highs in the mid-50s. For tonight, mostly clear, still a little cold with our temperatures in the upper 20s. For Thursday, we'll once again see plenty of sunshine, highs in the mid to upper 50s. We continue to see temperatures warm into Friday. And currently, we have 25 degrees in Roanoke and Salem, 27 in Lynchburg, 24 in Bedford, 26 in Amherst, and 29 in Appomattox. Well, we've been following along with uh, the Russia-Ukraine conflict there. We are welcoming military analyst Jeff McCausland in this morning uh, to talk about where we are, where we stand now um, with Russia and Ukraine. Good morning, sir. Janet, good morning to you. Well, it would seem that uh, Ukraine says they're not going to negotiate until Russia withdraws its troops. What are the odds of that happening? I think that's almost impossible to imagine. I mean, 
Right now, what we've seen in terms of negotiations is Mr. Putin has said he would negotiate with others. But, you know, in a speech where he talked about that, he never said negotiate with Ukraine. He's never acknowledged the Ukrainian government. In fact, he doesn't even acknowledge the existence of, in fact, Ukraine. And the preconditions he set and passed for those negotiations to begin were echoed by his foreign minister, Mr. Lavrov, who gave a speech of the day saying, basically, when Ukraine accepts the reality that these four provinces we've annexed are ours and they denazify, basically they, they take down their government, uh, then the war can come to a close and we can negotiate, basically an ultimatum. On the Ukrainian side, what they have said is they would like to see the United Nations host a, a peace summit uh, mediated by the Secretary General set conditions for a peace agreement or a peace negotiation at least to begin. But again, on their side, they've said that will begin when Russia also accepts a war crimes tribunal and agrees to reparations for the vast damage that Russia has done on Ukrainian territory. Very unlikely. I think the Russians are going to accede to that. So both sides seem to be maneuvering, but neither side really seems to be willing to make any sort of major concession that might allow negotiations to begin. So tell us how how the fighting is going i mean uh, the ukraine was making some pretty good strides last week yeah the, the war is really broken down into two parts now a ground war and an air war on the ground the ukrainians have made great success here in the fall culminating with the capture of Kherson in the south a provincial capital the only provincial capital in fact that the russians were able to seize at the onset of the uh, fighting since then things have kind of stalemated a bit there's still a lot of fighting around a city called Bakhmut, which the uh, Russians seem bent on trying to seize by the end of the year. I don't think it has great strategic value, but it has perhaps political significance of giving them some kind of a victory after the embarrassing loss of uh, Kherson. And also right now, at least until winter really sets in, the ground is really soft and very difficult to maneuver heavy armored vehicles. At the same time, we had this war in the air where Russia has launched these vast missile and drone strikes against Ukrainian t- cities all across the nation trying to destroy Ukrainian civilian infrastructure and and electric power grids and plunging cities into darkness. And just the other day, about a million people in Ukraine were at least temporarily without power following one of these large-scale assaults. And now, of course, um, we also had uh, the the holidays. Uh, They seem to have managed to somewhat celebrate the end of Hanukkah, uh, despite everything that was going on. Well, that's true. You know, it's interesting. In Ukraine, they celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December uh, under their version of the Orthodox faith. In Russia, actually, it's not celebrated until early January. But uh, across Ukraine, uh, there are unbelievable examples of people trying to celebrate in the midst of this terrible war. Uh, In in Kiev, for example, they did set up one large Christmas tree in the center square, uh, and that this tree at least was powered in part when I was learning uh, by uh, a bicycle generator that was attached so people who could visit the tree could pedal the bicycle to generate uh-huh. electricity in an effort wow. to conserve power uh-huh. because of this destruction of the power grid. Well, that's a pre- pretty creative uh, way to do it. Of course, they're pretty creative people, aren't they? Very extraordinary. And, you know, and a lot of them, of course, are adamant that they want some form of Christmas, particularly for children. But You know, you put your finger on something very important there, Janet, and that is the remarkable resilience of the civil society uh, in Ukraine uh, in this war, which is really a national effort, not only by soldiers, but people trying to fix all kinds of vehicles that have been captured, women and children putting together medical kits, providing food to those who need it, 
creating apps that soldiers can use for targeting. It's really a remarkable national civil effort. And still today, by some polls, uh, 70% or more of the population is convinced that Ukraine must pursue this war to victory. Do you think that um, Zelensky's visit to D.C. has uh, boistered their um, the, the citizens at all? Yeah, I think, I think it was a remarkable success, and he made his way back to Ukraine, and, and I think it's also bolstered the uh, national will and the national morale, as they saw their president there in the well of the United States Congress. You know, it's, again, a remarkable event when you consider the fact that there aren't very many things that you'll see both Democrats and Republicans in the House and Senate stand together and cheer about, mm-hmm. but they were staying together and cheering for President Zelensky, with, with a few notable exceptions, for sure, Right, but uh, supporting additional military support for Ukraine that he was asking for and that was agreed to in the most recent defense budget and omnibus budget that was signed by Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Biden a few days ago. Well, we appreciate you uh, getting us the, the latest information uh, with this. Of course, I, you know, I can't help but uh, keep rooting for the Ukrainian people. Um, and I, I hope we're going to see an end to this sooner rather than later. But it doesn't look like either side's giving in much, are they? No, it doesn't look like that. Right now, I would say the best estimates is this war will continue for a significant period of time. And, and sadly, this will mean a lot more death and destruction to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Even today, the UN has announced that at least 7,000 roughly Ukrainian civilians mm. have been killed in this fighting. That's really sad. Well, uh, Jeff McCausland, military analyst, thanks so much for joining us to uh, talk about Russia and Ukraine. And we always enjoy having you here on the show. Thank you and a happy new year. You, you do. Yes, indeed. So we also had uh, Iceland apparently was welcoming some Ukrainian children who have been forced to leave their homeland due to the uh, invasion in Ukraine. Uh, they were ages 8 to 15, and they came from various parts of the Ukraine, uh, getting temporary shelter in parts of Iceland. And now they and their families are looking for some permanent housing. So I, I'm sure they're, I, I'm sure they're sad to be away from their home, but they were welcomed in Iceland with open arms. For I was sure. doing the skull chant, by the way. That that's what they do. It's like it's the Vikings have adopted it, but it was started by Iceland fans. Gotcha. So I have no idea what you're talking. I'm about. just trying to. I got to get my energy back up. I mean, because who we have on the line? Oh, okay. All right. Good morning. You're on the morning jam. Energy back up. Uh, I guess he's you know kind of low energy since the Santa Claus pelting with snowball beagles lost. <clears throat> last it's okay. Weekend. Did you call him a beagle? And not eagles. I would not insult beagles. I, I love beagles. I, I was like, I, I like not beagles. Them. Eagles still have better record. And I, still I, I, I like beagles. Eagles. <laughs> it was a, as John Fetterman would say, the eagles. Are... Oh, must you bring him up? It's already been a rough morning. <laughs> That's Justin Pennsylvania, isn't he? <laughs> That's exactly right. Do you have a good Christmas? Yes, I just got back yesterday from seeing my daughter and her family in Suffolk. Oh, nice. Very nice. That's good. I have a story. I don't know if you have a couple, like, three minutes yeah. or not to hear a story. Sure. You do? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll take up some of your time. Take up some of my time. Well, <laughs> I read about this. Uh, 
a guy named Sure Thing Stevens. He was a renowned diviner. He had an illustrious career spanning over 35 years, during which he had successfully discovered over 900 water and oil wells. His record of success was exceptional. When hired to find a well, he succeeded on every occasion without a single failure. Due to his unblemished success rate, people would send requests for Sure Thing Stevens services from around the world. Even the famous oil tycoon T. Boone Pickens had heard of Stevens' proficiency at divining for oil wells and wished to avail himself of Sure Thing's services. Mr. Pickens instructed one of his representatives to contact Stevens and offer him the opportunity to prove his ability on a particularly difficult parcel of land owned by Mr. Pickens. Sure Thing Stevens was known for his willingness to accept the most daunting of challenges, so he eagerly accepted the offer of T. Boone Pickens. Mr. Pickens' representative made the arrangements, and soon Sure Thing arrived at the aforementioned location. He was slightly apprehensive at first, knowing T. Boone's reputation for demanding results from those in his employ. But Mr. Stevens quickly overcame his trepidation and began his work. He removed his famous dividing rods from his custom case and started his search. After several hours of tediously mapping and scouring the area, designated for his search, Sure Thing's efforts had yielded no positive results. He decided to call it a day as night had made its arrival, but he would be back at the break of dawn the next day. However, this pattern of no success repeated itself for the subsequent nine days. Finally, Sure Thing Stevens had to admit defeat. Although he approached the task with anxiety, he knew that he must make his report of his failure to T. Boone Pickens. Sure Thing scheduled a meeting with Mr. Pickens in order to personally present the results of his efforts. After he was announced and T. Boone acknowledged him, Sure Thing Stevens nervously began his report. Mr. Pickens, he said, it is with a heavy heart and a terrible feeling of remorse that I must divulge to you the results of my efforts to find oil on the property that you hired me to search. I was unsuccessful in my attempt, and therefore I must concede that in my 35-plus years in the field of endeavor, my efforts resulted in the first Noel. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. You are a terrible, out. terrible person. <laughs> what? That's, a, it's, that's, a, that's an interesting story. The only, the only thing that would be worse is if you came bearing like a white chocolate candy cane. That would be the only thing worse. Or a white chocolate squirrel. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that is a groaner. And you know I don't feel well. Why would you do that to me? Told you I had to build up energy for him. Uh, not enough energy in the world. Block that number. Dale, have a good new year. <laughs> You're a terrible person. You're a terrible, terrible person. That's like worse than even one of yours. Thank you. You're welcome. It's time for Janet's Five and Dine on The Morning Jam. Give her five minutes, and she'll give you some great inspiration for a delicious meal tonight. Two minutes of my life, I'll never get back again. Five and Dine is brought to you by our friends at FNL Market, who would never tell a joke like that. They're located on Memorial Avenue in Lynchburg, cutting and grinding fresh meats every single day and working hard to keep their prices low so you can keep your food bill in check. If you're tired of traditional Christmas fare, never fear i have got a great recipe for you to make for your family tonight it's a white chicken enchilada and it's delicious you're going to start with two cups of boneless skinless chicken breast 
There's a couple of ways you could do that. You could get a rotisserie chicken and use that. Or you can do my salsa chicken recipe where you just put your chicken and salsa into a uh, slow cooker and cook it till it falls apart. And then you shred it up and you can use it for a lot of things, including this recipe. Uh, then you're going to, once the chicken is, is cooked, preheat your oven to 350 degrees and then add the cooked chicken uh, to a bowl, shred it with a fork, add in some three-fourths of a cup of shredded Monterey Jack cheese and a little bit of cream cheese and mix it until everything's combined. And then in a saucepan, you're going to melt your butter, three tablespoons, along with three tablespoons of flour, and whisk that together with some taco seasoning. Cook it about a minute. Add in two cups of chicken broth. Whisk that until it's smooth. Add a half a cup of shredded cheese and then heat it until it's all nice and thickened on your stove. Remove it from the heat, adding your sour cream and your four ounce can of diced green chilies. And then you're gonna mix that together. Put the chicken in each tortilla, cover it with a little bit of the sauce, fill up that entire nine by 13 inch pan, and then put that uh, sauce over top of all of the enchiladas. Sprinkle a little bit of Monterey Jack, and then you're going to bake it in that 350-degree um, oven and brown it at the very end, about 22 minutes, and then high on broil for three minutes to brown everything up. Uh, serve it up with some nice refried beans, maybe a little side salad. Super delicious, and it tastes nothing like Christmas food, which you're probably tired of by now. White chicken enchiladas. Get the recipe by going to Facebook. Type in Janet's Five and Dine. You'll find this recipe and all the recipes that we share. Brought to you by FNL Market, where their meats are cut above. Before you fire up the coffee maker, turn on the morning jam. Start your mornings on the right foot and listen to the morning jam, 6 to 9 a.m. On the Virginia Talk Radio. Well, MSNBC's all-in host, Chris Hayes, is getting beat up for uh, calling out the George Santos resume debacle, all the while downplaying President Biden's decades-long history of falsehoods. Of course, we talked about this on the show last week. Santos, uh, the New York representative-elect, admitted to lying during his campaign about his work experience and education, prompting a strong reaction from Democrat politicians and media pundits who immediately deemed him unfit to serve. He is unfit to serve in Congress. While many on Twitter chastised Santos as the degenerative liar for misleading voters about his professional past, others called out the hypocrisy of the left's exasperation and clutching of the pearls after years of excusing Biden's trouble with the truth, pointing out the apparent double standard, Jonah Goldberg wrote on Twitter, I think Santos is a total embarrassment and has no place in public life, but a lot of folks on this site dinging him seem to have forgotten how much both the current president and his predecessor embellished about their accomplishments. The tweet elicited a response from Hayes, who was quick to defend Biden's lies as normal politician BSing. I think there's a line between normal politician BSing and a con man serial lying, 
and he's got infractions on either side of that line. I mean, it would have been a pretty big deal if it turns out Joe Biden didn't actually have a law degree. Really? That's that's your <laughs> that's your excuse. His uh, defense didn't set well with many who pounced on the host for admittedly looking the other way when it comes to the president. Sure, responded Washington Examiner columnist T. Beckett Adams. Biden lied about being the first of his family to go to college, lied about his scholarship, lied about finishing the top of his class, lied about having three undergrad degrees, and lied about being a professor. But by God, that law degree is real. (laughs) And let's not forget the whole debacle with the... um, Purple Heart that we had happened just recently where he said his father asked him to get his uncle's Purple Heart for him after he became vice president, even though both his father and his uncle were dead by that time. Mark Levin said, why are there no calls by Democrats for Biden to step down as he's been lying about himself for years Former White House reporter Jim Stinson said, has Biden never stopped? He lied about talking to Hunter about foreign deals. He lied about the economy. He continues to lie. Others pointed to a tweet from Tom Elliott, who outlined several of the president's acknowledged falsehoods and embellishments in a five-part thread. Survived a fire, arrested in a civil rights march, star football player, once a truck driver, uh, arrested beating Mandela, son killed in Iraq, overheard mass shooting, top of his class in college, hit a 368 homer in baseball, uh, had a job at a timber company. Those are a few. Then, oil industry somehow gave him cancer, won a fight against a drug dealer named Corn Pop, dead Amtrak worker awarded him for riding 1.8 million miles, attended temple services on a Sunday, raised in a Puerto Rican community, worked as a college professor, he continued. Town Hall columnist Brad Slager chimed in. The Puerto Rican Jose Biden cribbed papers in law school to get that degree and dropped out of a campaign over plagiarizing. He's lied about his career, his family, and his record, but his decades of lying boldly are not a big deal compared to Santos. Got it. I think that thing completely blew up on him all the way around. Uh, He's also falsely claimed he was appointed to the Naval Academy, dishonestly said he was arrested in South Africa, misleadingly bragged he was arrested during the Civil Rights Movement. There's there's so much of it out there that is laid out that people are aware of now. I just, I can't believe that they will still take that line. They need to really back off on the uh, on the criticizing when it comes to that. Because every time they do that, this is what's going to happen. All of this is going to pop back up again. So, I don't know what they're thinking with that one. Uh, Texas car wash froze solid during the cold blast. If you're wanting to get your car wash, you might want to make sure everything is operational. We've it's had a lot fine. of freezing. It's just an ice bath. <laughs> I don't know. I think that would scrape your car up pretty good. Yeah. Aren't they supposed to like turn that off and shut that down before you've got freezing temperatures coming? I think so. I think yeah. That although would make I will sense. tell you, my car needs to be washed. It looks terrible. The rain helped my car. <laughs> <laughs> Cleaned it. God gave you a car wash. Nice. I like it. 
Guys, we're going to see you tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to the Morning Jam. We'll be back bright and early tomorrow.